This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. But, the, you know, something that I had not appreciated in the 23 years of fiddling with this stuff was how critically important electrolytes are, specifically sodium. Um, 80, 85% of the sodium that folks consume is in the form of processed foods. Like we're getting it adjunctive to eating kind of junky foods. Then when people improve their diet, whether they go paleo or vegan or Mediterranean or what have you, unless they're really making an effort to include sodium in their diet, their sodium intake plummets. And what's interesting about that is when people are eating better, their insulin levels tend to be lower. Insulin's a hormone that helps us control blood sugar, but it also is really important in regulating electrolyte status. This is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Fascinating stories to amaze, encourage, and inspire you in fishing, fitness, and the outdoors. And we're brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. I started this podcast as a way to connect with my friends, people that I admire and respect, and you. It has been a learning journey that's made me a better person, a better fisherman, a better father, and a better athlete. I'm so happy that you're on this journey with me, and I'd love to hear from you with show suggestions, guest suggestions, or questions. The best way to get a hold of me is through text. You can text 305-930-7346 for the fastest response, but if you prefer to email, you can send that to podcast at saltwaterexperience.com. That's a dedicated email address just for the show. If you like this show, you can show your support by posting about it on social media and tagging me. Text the link to a couple of friends that may also enjoy it and subscribe and leave a five-star review if you feel like I've earned it. The website is tomrollandpodcast.com, and that is where everything lives. All past shows, you can go and listen to any show. You can look up all the different shows that we've done, both the How To Tuesdays, the Full Links, and the Physical Fridays. They all live on tomrollandpodcast.com, and the social media is tom underscore 
Roland, R-O-W-L-A-N-D, on Instagram, or you can go to our big account, saltwater underscore experience. I hope to hear from you soon. So now let's get on to today's show. Welcome. This is the Tom Roland podcast. I am Rob Wolf. I am a middle-aged balding dude who's uh, sold some, some books on the topics of Paleolithic nutrition. I co-founded uh, the first and fourth CrossFit affiliate gyms in the world and was formerly a research biochemist in the areas of cancer and autoimmunity investigation. Okay, Rob Wolf, man, I'm glad to have you on here. Thanks for doing this. I, I am honored to bring down property values anywhere folks are foolish <laughs> enough to let me on. So thank you. Well, seriously, I uh, I know I mentioned it before we started recording, but I've been following you for a long time. Uh, the Paleo Solution, the very early days of CrossFit. Um, you've done some tremendous work. I've learned a tremendous amount from you from a distance, and uh, it's nice to finally meet you in person. Huge honor. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. And now you're all into jujitsu. Well, not now, for the last few years, I guess. I've been scrapping away at it for a while. Yep. Yeah. yeah. What belt are yeah. you now? Uh, it, it, a brown belt, um, but don't, don't read too much into that. It's kind of like when, uh, uh you think you're done having kids and then one sneaks through the, <laughs> sneaks through the net. Like it, I, I think it was more of a drunken accident than, than, uh, any reflection of me getting better at it. Yeah. But I, I, I definitely, uh, I love it. It's an amazing community. And, uh, fortunately my whole family, my wife and both my girls participate in it also. So it's, uh, it, it's pretty cool having everybody kind of on at least that same page. Yeah, that's great. Uh, jujitsu is, is certainly a, an incredible sport. I was a wrestler in high school and, and, uh, have continued wrestling as my kids also wrestled and I've been wrestling with them all the way through their high school careers oh, and nice. stuff. And, nice. and, uh, I, I really, um, my, my oldest son, started jujitsu and, um, and he, he loves it. He, he really does. And he had to kind of figure out how to, how to continue doing jujitsu through COVID, which was probably a, uh, a challenge for a lot of people. Um, but anyway, he, uh, he, he really likes it. He's out in Montana. Don't oh, wait, we're about to Montana in Bozeman. Yeah. Oh, he, he is. Okay. Well, there, there's a SBG affiliate there in Bozeman now. Okay. So Very definitely good. have him check it out. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. They both went to, both my boys went to um, Montana state there, right there in Bozeman. Oh, okay. And, okay. Um, and they're both still out there. And then my daughter is at Auburn. She's 18. Nice. So yeah. Nice. Um, anyway, well, I wanted to have you on here. Because I know that you've done, uh, well, first of all, you're an interesting guest, but I, I know that you've done a tremendous amount of work on hydration. And the people that listen to this podcast, and myself included, one, this is a selfish pursuit because I want to know as much as I possibly can about hydration. The more I've learned about hydration and the better I take care of myself, um, I can see incremental increases in my energy level, in my performance, in my uh, attention span throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And what, what's going to be very interesting to, to the people that listen to this, mostly fishing people, mostly fishing guides, I think that spend eight to 10 hours in the sun. A lot of times either they're offshore moving around is pretty active or inshore fishing guides that, um, are polling a boat for eight to 10 hours a day. And then a lot of these guys are, are also athletes because in order to be able to pull a boat for eight to 10 hours a day for 150 days in a row without taking a day off, 
you also need to be in pretty good shape. So they're right. runners, they're lifters, they're CrossFitters. They're getting a workout in either before they're going out on the water or they're getting a workout in after they're going on the water. Probably also drinking a lot of caffeine um, and then drinking a lot of water, peeing throughout the day. So there are some very interesting hydration requirements. When I was guiding, I had a gallon of water that I just put in the boat and I said, okay, I'm not getting out of the boat until I drink that gallon of water. So if I got to the boat ramp and there was, you know, two inches left in the bottom of the, of the water, I just drank it. And that was a huge improvement over not drinking very much water. But as I've learned and what I want to learn today is there's, there's more to it than that, than just drinking plain water. And um, so wondering what your, what your journey was to kind of learning more about hydration in your own yeah, pursuit. you know, I so I uh, am part of this company element now, and I, I guess I would couch things with, um, of course, the guy that's got something to sell is going to sell you on why yeah. the thing is important. <laughs> but the the Genesis story maybe puts a little bit of context around that, and also we have uh, the the company was born kind of in a freemium platform. Like we initially just posted a how to mix your own electrolytes at home because we, we, my friends were very, let, let me back up a little bit. Uh, 23 years ago, I had a pretty serious health condition. I had ulcerative colitis bad enough that I was facing a bowel resection and immunosuppressant drugs. I'm five foot nine, 165, 170 pounds, not a big guy, but, um, reasonably fit at the low ebb of my ulcerative Colitis, I was about 125, 130 Whoa. pounds. So if you imagine like 40 pounds less of me, like I, I was emaciated. And it, it just, the the deal with that is my gut was so inflamed that any food that I ate just went blasting out the other side, pretty much unchanged. I mean, I was, people die from ulcerative colitis all the time. Uh, oftentimes uh, people end up with like a J pouch or something like that. And, you know, big, big chunks of their digestive tract removed. Fortunately for me, this idea of like a uh, uh, paleolithic diet, ancestral eating got on my radar. And for me, it was a, a miracle, you know, nothing short of a miracle got me off of that track of needing surgery. And, and honestly, for the 23 years I've been working in this space, I worked with like the Naval Special Warfare Resiliency Program for six years where I talked to the SEAL teams and the special boat teams and their families about sleep and nutrition training, all kinds of different stuff. Um, I've worked with Olympic athletes, but really the, the center of the bullseye folks for me to work with are people with complex gut and autoimmune issues, because that's what I've dealt with my, mm -hmm. my whole life. And so that's kind of been my, my safe spot, my, my area of orientation. Um, those are the people that uh, usually run the gamut of the standard medical scene, get a little bit of help, but they're not really addressing the underlying root cause problems that folks have. And so that, that, you know, just for some context for, for mm -hmm. people, yeah, that, yeah. you know, it, people who are really sick, kind of gut and autoimmune related issues. That's, that's kind of my, my safe spot. And so I've found that kind of lower carb, gluten-free ketogenic paleo type diets work amazing for this stuff. You know, it, it, it's nothing short of miraculous for, for helping people to reset these things. And the cool thing about that is that if you have some complex health issues, 30 days of fiddling with your nutrition in this way will be a, an absolute eye opener. Either it's going to transform your life or it's kind of me and that's really the issue. And then you can, you can move on. Like it's typically not a, a subtle kind of experience. 
Now, when something before oh, yeah. we move on, when when if somebody does have that, what do you suggest the first, um, uh, the first step is? Is it elimination or is it addition? Do you do you add in the the um, Paleolithic foods or are you immediately taking out any sort of any sort of processed foods? What what where do you? tend to coach usually to elimination is kind of the, the the thing that that benefits people most mm-hmm. and this isn't a hundred percent a good friend of mine dr michael ruscio wrote a book called healthy gut healthy you and my books talk about gut health quite a bit but his book is like the the in my opinion the gold standard uh resource for for gut related issues there's also uh a gal, Agali Jacobs, um, and I am blanking on the name of her book, but her book is also a gut-related book, and it's outstanding as well. So, and and they generally start folks on a kind of an elimination diet. Mm-hmm. They mention what to include, which is usually meat and seafood, fruits, vegetables, that sort of things, and kind of recommend pulling out the grains, the pasta, oftentimes dairy, at mm-hmm. least for thirty days, and then get to it. The ideal story there is that the person goes from sick to not sick. Right. And then we figure out what type of latitude we have with Mm -hmm. it, you know, and sometimes people like me, if you want to be healthy, you have some really tight lane lines you have to operate in. Other people end up having a lot more latitude, but, but that reset is really the, the critical piece to it. It's usually 30 days to, to get things back on an even keel. And then, then we, we kind of tweak and modify from there. But the, you know, something that I had not appreciated in the 23 years of fiddling with this stuff was how critically important electrolytes are specifically sodium. Um, 80, 85% of the sodium that folks consume is in the form of processed foods. Like we're getting it adjunctive to eating kind of junky foods. Then when people improve their diet, whether they go paleo or vegan or Mediterranean or what have you, Unless they're really making an effort to include sodium in their diet, right. their sodium intake plummets. And what's interesting about that is when people are eating better, their insulin levels tend to be lower. Insulin's a hormone that helps us control blood sugar, but it also is really important in regulating electrolyte status. And when people are eating well, just kind of a minimally processed diet to say nothing of like a low carb diet, their tendency to retain sodium decreases. Mm. We tend to pee out sodium and pee out water and whatnot. And every physiological process in our body is driven by these, these sodium potassium pumps. People might remember back to like high school or college, you know, biology classes where we, we talk about sodium potassium pumps and every thought muscle contraction, nerve impulse is driven by these sodium potassium pumps. And if things get off a little bit, if you have a little bit too little sodium, a little bit too much potassium, um, things go haywire really quickly. If if somebody shows up unconscious to an emergency room, the the three things that they look at really quickly and very, very carefully is blood sugar, because uh, blood sugar changes can kill someone really easily pH, the acidity or alkalinity of the blood. And again, that's controlled within super tight bounds and then electrolytes. And I, I, between pH and electrolytes, it would be kind of a, a, a tough race to say which one is more tightly regulated. But 
if your electrolytes or pH get off by just a little bit, you will go unconscious or potentially die. Mm. And, and so it's a, a really important thing to, to keep hold of. And we have lots of different mechanisms to, to control what's going on there. And an interesting somewhat aside to this is an individual who's working at high motor output, uh, uh, heat, humidity, that person may lose more than 10 grams, 10,000 milligrams of sodium in a day. Wow. Um, we've worked with uh, uh, NHL athletes that they do some pretty cool stuff. They'll take a patch that they know the surface area of the patch and they'll put it on the person and they'll see how much sweat and sodium goes into the patch. Mm -hmm. And then they do some calculations to figure out, okay, you know, this is, you know, 4% of my body surface area. And so we'll, we'll extrapolate from that, but pretty good numbers suggest that these guys will lose 10 grams of sodium in, in the course of an hour and a half, two hour game or, or, you know, hard practice. Session. Really? And that's and, not entirely different than, than jujitsu with a gi. I mean, you're, no, you're in a I hot mean, there's room a ton and, and of like, stuff like when that. We wrestled, yeah. you know, the, the, the thing was yeah. you turned the thing up and you were in there for two hours and just dripping wet. And then of course, back then you were you you were not supposed to drink water, <laughs> right? That was right. that was for weak people, um, right? <laughs> yeah, and and uh, and the contrast there is that our medical gatekeepers suggest that we should consume less than two grams of sodium hmm. per day, and it, you know folks are oftentimes concerned about sodium because of high blood pressure and hypertension. Yeah, and I definitely want to talk about there. that. Yeah, there's there's definitely a relationship there, but the the interesting thing is folks with hypertension who go on low sodium diets, their hypertension doesn't go away. It goes down a little bit, but it it uh, a, a high sodium diet for a hypertensive person is not a good thing. But interestingly, a low sodium diet doesn't fix the problem because the main driver isn't sodium intake, it's insulin resistance where our body becomes, you know, unable to respond to insulin the way that it should. And then we would tend to retain sodium. And this is where when folks would go on a, a low carb diet, they pee like crazy for like three or four days because their body is shedding all this excess water and sodium. And that's great if you're hypertensive. That's not so great if you're out pulling a boat for eight hours right. in equatorial you know, sunlight <laughs> yeah, and right. stuff like that. Uh, and so, you know, when I figured this stuff out for myself, because I do jujitsu and I eat on the lower carb side, because it just addresses all these gut issues that I have going on. Um, when I finally addressed this 20, 20 some odd years into eating this way, I just couldn't believe it. It was, I was like, Oh, all these problems I've had, like the, the lack of a low gear while grappling and kind of slow recovery, disordered sleep and stuff like that it all resolved virtually immediately. And, um, and I started looking at the folks that I serve and I was like, damn, like 95% of the problems people report are probably inadequate sodium. Hmm. And so this is my, my pitch for people to, whether you want to do the product that I have or not, like when we started off, we made a, a make it yourself guide called it keto aid. And, uh, Use this much table salt, this much sodium or potassium chloride from no salt, some magnesium, lemon juice, stevia to sweeten it, water, shake it up, and, and there you go. And we posted this thing online, and within five, six months, we had a half million downloads of this mm. thing. Like it just went wow. like wildfire. And 
folks were reporting, they're like, my sleep is better. My recovery is better. I don't cramp anymore. That, that desire for like mid-afternoon caffeine is gone because I, I really, my energy levels are better. It, it's kind of crazy to suggest this, but energy drinks really shouldn't be a bunch of caffeine and stimulants. They should be electrolytes because where we generate energy is from sodium potassium pumps. It should mm -hmm. be like coconut water with a pinch of salt or something like that. You know, it, it, that really is a, a, a much, a, you know, arguably better uh, a energy drink than, than a monster or something like that. But that's a great start to the conversation. We're going to take a short break and get right back to the show in just a moment. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We, we released this um, this free guide for how to make your own electrolytes. It went like crazy. And then we started getting tagged on social media from folks saying, hey, we love this thing. But when I travel with three bags of white powder, TSA really, <laughs> you know, has some, yeah, has some issues do. with that. You know, um, could you guys make some sort of like a convenient, you know, stick pack thing? And that's really the genesis of the of the whole story behind that. And we still to this day, if people go to drinkelement.com forward slash homebrew, you can still get the make it yourself guide. So my, my long pitch with that is if you are someone who is out in the heat and the humidity, if you have high motor output, um, I will. And, and if you eat well at all, like if you really pay attention to your food, you're probably not eating so much processed food that you're getting enough sodium. Mm -hmm. And chances are you are really broadly electrolyte deficient and specifically sodium deficient when we sweat the electrolyte that we lose is almost exclusively sodium. We lose a tiny, light, light, little trace amounts of potassium, trace amounts of magnesium. Those are both really critically important electrolytes as well. But if, if you're out sweating, doing jujitsu on, on a boat, you know, sun beating down on you, high humidity, and you're just pouring sweat, the thing that you're going to be super deficient in is sodium. Hmm. And, and that is going to be the thing that really makes or breaks, whether or not you're able to stay in the fight and keep doing what you're doing versus like getting heat exhaustion potentially. Right. So like a Gatorade, um, if somebody just drinks a Gatorade, what kind of sodium content does that have? So a Gatorade, funny story. Um, when Gatorade was first formulated, they originally were a gram of sodium, a thousand milligrams of sodium per serving. And, and then they've got some glucose in it or now uh, sucrose, just standard table sugar. But now you get about 200 milligrams mm. of, of sodium with it. And so 
over time, Gatorade and things like that, it, although they have some sugar-free options on them, which I, I think are far better, but the sodium has gone down and the sugar has dramatically gone up. Now, they're way better than just doing plain water generally, because drinking plain water in this circumstance, the disaster that happens there is that we are becoming depleted of sodium specifically and water through the sweat. But if we just pour water on top of that, we're actually further diluting the ratio of sodium to potassium in our bodies. And this is where people can, can kill themselves. Uh, 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 every year, people usually hear about like boot camp recruits, uh, people at football double days, triathlons, where people will end up hospitalized for over-consuming water. Mm -hmm. And it's a state called hyponatremia, yeah. low, low sodium status. And it's funny, like uh, the, the age that we are, when I was doing football, that was still yeah. in youth sports. It was take a, a salt tablet. Well, I knew that's what you were going to say. And we, yeah. I can remember like when, when you're saying this, I remember you would go to the training room and you didn't even have to step into the training room. They had these pill dispensers right yep. there and you turn the, you turn the bottom and two, two salt pills would come out. And yep. it was like, the coach says like, go by the training room, get your salt pills and meet me out on the field, you know? And that's, yeah. and everybody did that. And then that's just gone away somewhere, somewhere along the line. It's gone away. And I feel like it's gone away because of the blood pressure connection yep. between sodium and, 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 uh, blood pressure. But I've read some things that, that that is a, not a, not a really good study that it, it all goes back to like one study, but I don't know. That's just what yeah, I've read. It, 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 there's a strong relationship between blood pressure and sodium when, but the, the, the thing about it is that the driver, it, it, I believe, and, it, and I think most most uh, folks, maybe not mainstream, but it, it, it's very evidence based and, and defensible. I I hate saying uh, the the term that the the scientists settled on much of anything because it, it just chaps my ass to no end, and I don't want to drive us into political land. But uh, in science, nothing is settled unless we're talking about uh, a pool table with pool pool, you know balls of known weight and density and a cue that hits it and like a simple system like that. It's yes. like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll sign off. We, we can predict with perfect accuracy where everything happens on that. You go to a biological system and you introduce uh, variabilities of genetics and environment and everything. And it, we have general guidelines, but like the, you know, not much of anything is settled, but what we, what we have noticed, like, the, so the hypothesis is that sodium increases blood pressure period well it, it high sodium diets don't increase the blood pressure at, at, in all people and in folks with high blood pressure low sodium diets don't uniformly decrease blood pressure it'll bring it down a little bit but it, it it's not a, a huge difference but when we get people to normal healthy insulin levels from from eating fewer calories mm -hmm. usually a little bit less carbohydrate then they magically, their blood pressure magically tends to, to, you know, normalize. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the interesting things from way, way back when people would go on like an Atkins protocol that they would notice that they, they, their blood pressure would normalize. Mm -hmm. So I, I agree, like the demonization of sodium because of uh, increased rates of hypertension definitely did away with like the, you know, the, the, the gym uh, salt dispenser. Right. And what it was replaced with is, uh, you know, 
water bottles that we travel with everywhere. I was right. talking to my wife about this. Like um, when I was a kid, our, our car, I, I don't know how old I was before we, we were wealthy enough to own a car with air conditioning. I might've been like 20 before like my was <laughs> on the, the poorer side yeah. and uh, you know, lived in rural Northern California, the summer to get 115, 120 degrees. And I didn't have a water bottle with and then have a jug of, you, you know, milk jug full of water. Right. You just suffered through as a kid till you, till you got where you were going. But, um, but the interesting thing about that is, is, uh, I wasn't, uh, super diluting my blood and the, the, the sodium content. So it was probably a, almost a better move to, to go that way. But I, I know I'm out, out. In the, <laughs> well, the not, not really, not, not really, because, um, like that is, I, I mean, I, I, I see that that journey of uh, the same thing happened to me. I mean, we would basically never drink water. And then sometimes you just drink a soft drink when you're a kid because they weren't demonized yet. They were like perfectly fine. Yeah. Everybody should have soft drinks. So you drink three Cokes and you're good to go. And then you're swimming or you're doing whatever. And you know, water gets in there occasionally, but it wasn't like, you know, you should really drink this much water. And then somewhere along the line, the salt pills went away and then people were were told and that you should be drinking a gallon of water or you should be drinking a lot of mm-hmm. water and people are carrying around a gallon of water with them everywhere they're going and and drinking that and I was as guilty of that as 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 anybody because what I would do as a guide well first of all when I first got to the Florida Keys I didn't know how to take care of myself and I wasn't eating properly I wasn't taking I wasn't um wearing the appropriate clothes out in the sun. I was getting way too much sun. I was, I was just fatigued and, and other people around me weren't fatigued. They were wearing full long pants. They were wearing long sleeve shirts. They were staying out of the sun with a big hat. And then I started seeing, okay, well, the more clothes that I'm wearing, the more I'm protecting myself from the sun, the less fatigued I am. But if I Mm -hmm. drank water, then the even the less fatigued I am. So then Mm -hmm. it's like, well, I'll drink four bottles of water. Then I feel pretty good. Then it's, I'll drink seven bottles of water. If a little's good, a lot's better. So then I end up with a gallon of water in the boat, which I know I'm sweating out a gallon of water and I'm peeing out a gallon of water because, you know, it's, you're, you're also leaving the dock at five o'clock in the morning. So there's a few cups of coffee that go down. Right. And then you're going to be out in the boat all day. So you have this gallon of water, you think you're doing the right thing. And probably on some of those days, the clients are bringing lunches. It's, it's, uh, deli meat, it's, um, you know, sandwiches, it's some cookies, it's some of the, you know, not, not great things because they're picking it for you. And so you probably are getting a good amount of sodium in a meal Mm -hmm. like that. And maybe the gallon of water isn't so bad in that situation from what, from what you're telling me. But then when you start to think, okay, well, if I'm, I'm that way, like if a little's good and I can feel a little bit better by drinking more water, if I pay attention to my diet, how much better would I feel? Okay. So now I'm starting to make my own lunches and bring them on the boat and going more towards a zone, uh, plan and then more towards a paleo plan. And then I'm trying to eat as clean as I can. And I'm eliminating all of that, the much needed sodium from my diet, but I'm still drinking the gallon of water. And I think I'm doing the right thing, but I'm tired. I'm, you know, fatigued. And then you go home and you run. Like, right. And there's no, you know, and, and the, the sodium is just not getting in. And really until recently, I didn't realize how important that was. A lot of people are, are, um, are being told again by everything from every 
you know, uh, energy drink uh, billboard from Gatorade, from every other, you know, hydration drink. Oh, get your electrolytes. But I think most people don't even really know what electrolytes are, like, and and how many there are, and what and how much you lose. Um, and then the other thing that I'd like for you to to explain is that the body has a mechanism for getting rid of sodium, right? Like if you have too much sodium, can you die from too much sodium? Or if you're drinking water, can you, does your body equalize that by peeing it out, by sweating it out, by like, what, what is the, what is the danger of too much sodium? How would you even know you had too much sodium? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. So I would make the case that it's far more dangerous to have too little than too much. Mm. Um, if for most people, uh, if they overconsume sodium, like let, let, the, the main issue is going to be uh, blood pressure. If you really consume a huge amount of sodium, you're going to end up with disaster pants. Like you're, you're going to be dashing to the, to the, to the loo to, <laughs> to deal with that. And so that that's like, if you're, you really do a huge sodium bolus and occasionally like um, I think in like poison control center type things, like if somebody does a particular type of substance, like they'll, they'll do a salt bolus to help just like blow everything mm. out the, out the back end. So there's a limit as to how much you can absorb because at some point what, what the sodium does is it pulls a lot of fluid out of the body into the digestive tract and it, it, it gives you diarrhea. Mm. So it, it's kind of self-limiting there. Um, We're going to take a quick break and get right back to the show in just a moment. The interesting thing, though, is that if you consume a lot of sodium, uh, 30 minutes down downstream from that your, your kidneys have filtered it and you know increased urine output and and you're gonna get back to a pretty good uh, normalization with that so it would be hard to kill yourself from over consumption of sodium it is super easy to kill yourself from over consuming water or or potassium mm -hmm. even and this is why most potassium supplements are, are capped at like 99 milligrams be uh it's kind of morbid to, to mention it, but a lethal injection in the, the places that do like, you know, execution via lethal injection, it's a giant bolus of potassium really? and it causes the heart to cramp one, one time and that that's it. And so, uh, we do the, the 200 milligrams of potassium because we've got a gram of sodium with it. So that mm -hmm. the, the real important thing is that there's a balance there. Mm. Like it's not, People will sometimes freak out about even seeing the two. Uh, it, it's really funny. We get criticized that we don't have enough potassium and we have way too much sodium. And then other people will kind of freak out about the, the, the amount of uh, potassium in general. But because we've got a gram of sodium and it's like a five to one ratio sodium to potassium, typically we need to consume more potassium than sodium. But we're recommending that folks get the bulk of their potassium from minimally processed whole foods. And, mm -hmm. and so that's where it, it, it should play out there. But the real danger is, is under, under consumption of sodium and or over consumption of water. That'll kill you in 20 minutes. If you really get after it, like some of these like sorority and fraternity hazing mm -hmm. things where they will just pound water, you can kill yourself in, in quick order by, by doing that. Uh, and it, it, you know, this is some of the stuff that I didn't realize until I started getting into this, this, you know, seen more deeply, but, uh, the American council of sports medicine makes the, has a position that athletes, uh, high heat, high humidity, high workout put 
um, a minimum of seven to 10 grams of sodium per day really? is, is usually where these folks end up playing out. And again, this is just, and you will have those folks make that recommendation and immediately follow on the heels of that and say, but people should not consume more than two, two grams, 2000 milligrams of sodium per day, because it'll give you hypertension. So we, we work, you know, if you get the good information about athletics and, and, uh, you know, high heat environments, high, high motor uh, output environments. And they, you, you hear something along that lines of seven to 10 grams, seven to 7,000 to 10,000 milligrams sodium per day, you'll immediately get hammered with, but don't do that because you'll get hypertension because we're catering to this, like, you know, overweight, overfed, Mm -hmm. you know, population over here. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, your, your product has a thousand milligrams. So you're telling me that like these NHL players should be drinking, should have 10 of these, like to, well, to th- throughout throw- a day, they should be getting the equivalent of 10 grams of sodium per right. day from, from, but if you've food, got a super clean diet, like your, your, like my friend that I work out with all the time, he is totally paleo. He has, he's had the greatest, he looks just the same, except 25 pounds came off of him. Uh, mm. He was in good shape before. And he's, he, we were talking one day and he's like, um, what, what are you doing? Or what kind of diet do you do? And I was like, well, you know, mostly paleo. He goes, paleo, what's that? I just said, you know, you can just eat meat and vegetables, nuts and seeds pretty much. And, uh, and, and some fruit and, and you just stay away from, from, uh, processed foods, Uh, you know, basic, just the, I didn't even think he was paying attention, like just, and so he just basically took that prescription and he's been doing that ever since. And he dropped, mm-hmm. you know, 25 or 30 pounds. He's in fantastic shape. But I mean, his idea of splurging is some some cauliflower. Like he just, he is just so strict and he loves right. eating that way. He loves eating vegetables. He loves eating meat. He, and that's basically what he eats. He eats some nuts. Right. So he's getting some sodium off of the nuts he's eating probably. But for the most part, zero processed foods and he also cramps a lot he's yep. like one of the crampers that that you know you just have you work out with some people and they're just prone to cramping and i've been telling him i'm like man i think your sodium intake is really really low but if if somebody wanted to like know exactly like not not the not the the population kind of um suggestion or the sports suggestion or somebody else but they're like like this guy he would invest in that patch or he would go to his doctor and get a test or he would do whatever you know money's not the problem he wants to perform the best is there a way that you can kind of know what your own personal um cuz like some people sweat way more than others and, yep. and, yep. and there were, I would imagine that there would be different sodium, you know, uh, needs for somebody that's a super heavy sweater and is also a very heavy exerciser, like a six day a yep. week, kind of two hours a day, kind of runner, triathlete, um, crossfitter. I don't know. Somebody like that. That's also a super heavy sweater. Um, how would somebody find out their own personal kind of sodium intake outtake? Yeah, it's it it, it kills me because I'm a chemist and I like making things as (laughs) objective as as possible. And this is a very subjective process because a blood a a blood sample will tell us a a a one moment yes picture. 
that is actually like a 3D movie, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, because we could be um, we could be globally sodium deficient. But on a blood test, we look OK because we've been pulling sodium out of our bones. But when we pull sodium out of our bones, we pull calcium out of our bones, mm-hmm. too. So it, this is where we really look at symptoms and like people who are cramping. They are so far down the sodium deficiency, electrolyte deficiency thing that they've got miles of suboptimal performance. Hmm. Their sleep is negatively impacted. Their heart rate variability is negatively impacted. Their cognition day to day, moment to moment is negatively impacted. Like by the time you get to the point that you're cramping, you've had a lot of very suboptimal performance. Your heart rate at any given work output has probably been five to 10 beats per minute higher than what it really needs to be. Wow. So what I would recommend for the uh, someone like this guy, use an app like Chronometer and really document every morsel of food that goes in your mouth and every g- scrap of sodium that you consume for you know three days, five days, something like that. And make sure you're getting at least five grams of sodium per day and just kind of see where you're at. Like this guy is probably going to be like 1800 milligrams of sodium, like 1.8 grams. So he's probably two and a half to three times under like the absolute bare minimum. And if he's a bigger guy, like if he's closer to 200 pounds, then it might double that, that need. Although um, I've seen small women who are really high motor output CrossFitters that are in the 12 to 15 gram of sodium in intake per day range to be able to, to operate, you know, optimally. So there's a big variation with that. And you, you mentioned differences in sweating. They're legitimately folks that are called super sweaters. They just pour sweat. And the interesting thing, not only do they lose more water, they lose disproportionately more sodium. Those people will lose in any window of time, like a one hour period, they will lose twice as much water, twice as much sodium as the person next to them. So this is where it's really hard to, um, it becomes more voodoo than science, you know, to, to, uh, to make, Oh, you, you know, okay. You're six foot two and you're 185 pounds and it's, uh, it's 95 degrees outside and 98% humidity are you direct sunlight or is it overcast? You, you know, like right. it, it starts right. getting so many variables and really what you need to do is just play to symptoms. Mm. If you feel foggy headed, a great one is if you're seated or like even in a deep squat and then you stand up, if you get lightheaded or room spins at all, like you are almost guaranteed to be sodium deficient because really? there's a, there's a lag in, um, the heart's ability to pump enough blood to, to deal with that, that change in fluid volume. There's a medical condition called POTS, uh, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. And it, it mainly affects kids, but it will affect uh, adults also. But these folks need more sodium than average to be able to passing out when they go from seated to standing. And the POTS community was one of the earliest groups that headlong into L. They've known for decades that they they need a lot more sodium than average to to be able to make things work. Wow, that's super interesting. I've I've had that you know on occasion, uh, not not throughout the day, but you know I work out in the morning, you know first thing in the morning, and um, sometimes you know afterwards I'll stand up and get a little lightheaded a little, like that. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I've yeah. started, I've started using your product as a pre-workout, uh, mix because I've been reading, um, you know, that James D Nicolantonio. Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. So he's got in, in his book, when, and in his book, um, uh, the mineral fix. Salt fix. Well, he's got yep. the salt fix too. But oh, yeah, he has the mineral fix. Yeah. And and uh, I've I've read all three of those books, and and I think they're they're really good. A lot of some of it is kind of over my head, but I'm jam- you know I I can make it through. But the most interesting chapters in there, I think, have been on sodium, and he he cites first of all in the back of his book, like the bottom hundred and twenty pages of his book are references. So right, I mean right. he 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 seems to do a good job uh you know referencing all of all of his studies and everything but some of the studies are about how sodium improves your performance immediately like with with cyclists mm-hmm. and other things that if they get a thousand milligrams of sodium and then you know you have part of the group that gets that and part of the group that doesn't get that the group that does get that can ride twenty minutes further or you know it's like twenty minutes that's yep. <laughs> that's not like, you know, 1%. That's like, that's serious. That's, that's right. like 10% further and, uh, you know, or, or maintain this, this wattage for 10% longer or 20% yep. longer or 20 minutes longer. And he goes through a bunch of different, um, studies in there, but I've started to try to do that, um, in the morning. It's the first thing that I have is, is like one of, one of these, and then maybe a little beta alanine in there. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's, it seems to have helped the performance greatly, but it's also super hot this time of the year. I'm sweating like crazy. And so then I'm, I'm kind of where I am now is it's like, okay, well, I'm getting a thousand more milligrams of sodium than I was before I was doing this as a, as a pre-workout, where would I go after? Like I've just, and, and so it'll be like a three hour you know, sometimes it'll be like a three hour session uh, or two hour session. And then, you know, then I'll go to work and or go fishing or do whatever. And so am, should I get another one of these afterwards? Or like if you're sweating that much, I mean, sometimes it's a full shirt ringer. Yeah. You know, you feel like you just went jumped in the pool. I, I would play with it because again, each person is kind of individual, but, uh, a little bit of a rule of thumb is about uh, uh, one liter plus one stick pack, like one gram mm-hmm. per hour of fairly intense activity. And and uh, what what I find with that is that if you if you do that, you never cramp. You don't get that brain fade where you're just kind of like you know mm-hmm. thousand yard stare by the by the end of the thing. Um, we we were we've been fortunate to be able to go and do. Uh, a jujitsu retreat in Costa Rica. And it's usually 95 degrees, 98% humidity. It's in an un- non-air conditioned hmm. steel building. And it, it, it's up on a hill. It's really, mm-hmm. really nice. You can see the ocean. It gets cross breeze every day, but man, it's hot. Like the sun is beating down on this building and, and you're in there and you're wearing a gi. Typically, sometimes we're no gi, but we, we you know, it, it just depends on what we're doing that day. And in a situation like that, I will do a, again, a liter plus a stick pack per hour. And then I'm right as rain through, through that. And if I get behind that, I'll start getting the toe cramps and, and I'll, and, but prior to the toe cramps, I, I'll just get fatigued. Like I'm not, 
sharp. I'm not able to stay focused. I'm not taking notes. You know, I'm, I, I, I just start mm. kind of, kind of fading out. And again, you know, very self-serving to talk all this stuff up, but a really cool thing about this electrolyte story is if you're deficient in electrolytes and you're kind of feeling off and you may not even notice that you feel that off, but that, that mid after, let's say like 1 PM and you're like, man, I really feel like I need an, an iced tea or an espresso or something to give you a little kick in the, in the britches. You do some electrolytes instead. And, and just as an aside, like I do uh, salty Palmers, I'll do like a Lipton iced tea mm-hmm. and then put, put either uh, citrus or, um, raspberry element in that. So it, it, it's a, a salty icy. It's amazing. Hmm. Like, I mean, it, it, it's just phenomenal. And at the end of the day, if you put a shot of uh, vodka or something on top of that, it, it's pretty damn good too. But um, you just feel amazing. And it and it's like five minutes. Like it doesn't take very long for electrolytes to start normalizing a person. So the cool thing with that, like I, you know, creatine, we all know creatine is great. It's got great um, performance benefits. It's a it's a, a antioxidant. It, it prevents uh, oxidative damage in in hypoxic environments, so it protects uh, neural tissue and everything. But I don't know that I I really have ever noticed like oh yeah, I right. definitely feel better right. with it or whatever. And all kinds of supplements that you, you know I think that they're probably good for me, but you know it's pretty subtle. It, when your electrolytes are on point, it's not subtle at all. Like you just feel better immediately. And again, this is where I go back to like our, our homebrew recommendation. Like if folks are skeptical about this and they go to like drinkelement.com forward slash homebrew, like we tell you how to mix these things so that you can do it at home. And if you're just feeling a little off or, or maybe you don't, you don't notice that you're feeling off, you're just doing your, your regular jam, but pre-workout, a little bit post-workout, uh, mid-afternoon, like those, those, whenever you feel like you might be a little low energy, trying to, to up your sodium intake in this, this kind of, you know, liquid beverage format, it's magic, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, five, 10 minutes later, typically people feel way better and they mm-hmm. notice, oh, I don't need the caffeine specifically yeah. to, to be able to, to get that, that and shot the sugar. of energy. Yeah. 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 And they the can sugar. avoid yeah. the sugar. Yeah. So as far as like a, like a fishing guide, like somebody that's, that's kind of in a low gear all day long in the hot sun, wearing protective clothing, um, or somebody that like a roofer, that's another good example. Yep. Somebody that's going to be working all day long up and down a ladder. That's kind of the equivalent of this fishing guide thing. Like, you know, a roofer is going to be carrying more stuff than a, than a fishing guide, but not a lot. I mean, a fishing guide, a lot of times is holding the cast net. It's heavy. You know, it's like 50 pounds. You got coolers, you got all kinds of stuff that you're mm-hmm. lifting around, but you're just out there for a long time. And then when you get back to the dock, a lot of guys, now you have to clean the fish for the customers. You're still in the blasting sun. Sometimes that's the worst because right. maybe on some day on some boats, there's a, at least a little bit of, uh, of shade on the skiffs. There's no shade. And you're pushing this boat all day long with, you know, with, with a, probably a heavy guy on the front. Um, what, what do you think? Is it a liter, a, a, an hour plus a stick? Um, for, for somebody like that, or is maybe less or more or what? I think, I think that's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think you're going to need much more than that. And there is also at some point, like, uh, kind of a limit of how much you can absorb in a g- given period of time. So like, again, if we, if we overwhelm the system, uh, uh, 
you'll end up with some GI problems, which mm-hmm. that would be horrible yeah. out on a, <laughs> on a boat. So yeah, well, it like, happens, you know, <laughs> yeah, it happens, but uh, you, you don't want to like, just, just invite that, that uh, gremlin onto the, onto the boat with you. So, but probably about a liter plus a stick packet. And you know, the stick pack again is a gram of sodium. So mm-hmm. if people are homebrewing this stuff, about a gram of sodium, which is going to be about a half a teaspoon of salt per, you know, per, per thing. So again, like, let's say you do some sugar-free Kool-Aid and, and then you, you just have some like table salt and you do about a half a teaspoon per liter and you have something like a crystal light or something like that. And you just want to mix your own stuff up. That's a, a not bad way to, to do that. Mm-hmm. I would recommend doing, if you're doing that, you're, you're like out all day and you're doing all that stuff. Maybe food is a little dodgy. I would go the extra mile and get some no salt, the, you know, like Morton's no salt, which is potassium chloride. And then do maybe equal amounts, like half teaspoon of, of, uh, of the, um, the regular salt and then maybe a quarter teaspoon of the, the no salt just mm. to keep a little bit of potassium in the mix. Yeah. Before we wrap up our conversation, we're going to take one final break. You're right back. Yeah. Or just go with, with your thing. Or just go with that. Yeah. yeah. Cause yeah. this is, this yeah. is a thousand milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium and 60 milligrams of magnesium. Where does the magnesium play into, into the, uh, the electrolyte mix? And why do you, why do you suggest having that in, in your product? It, most people are magnesium deficient. And so when, when we formulated this, we, we had an idea of what a daily electrolyte need looked like. And then we had about 300 people that were eating a minimally processed whole food diet. And we looked at their sodium, potassium, magnesium, and calcium intake. And by and large, people were fine on calcium. So we didn't feel compelled to, to add calcium. And there's a little bit of concerning signal in the literature around calcium supplementation and heart attacks, car- cardiac events, mm-hmm. like because calcium is part of the clotting cascade. And so it, it, people usually get enough calcium. And also I was a little concerned around that, that kind of pro clotting element. Um, people are, are generally a, at least a little bit deficient in magnesium and magnesium is important in like muscle contraction, relax, uh, uh, dynamics, gut health, um, your vitamin D metabolism doesn't function properly without adequate right. magnesium. So if you're deficient in magnesium, your vitamin D doesn't really do what it's supposed to do. Um, so we added a little bit of that. We went with a, a form of, of magnesium that's super absorbable. But even then, like I have a, a good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Kirk Parsley. Mm-hmm. He's a retired Navy SEAL, big dude, 6'3", yeah. 250 pounds. Um, and he has to put element in like a, a liter and a half and slowly sip on it because he is very magnesium sensitive and it will give him disaster pants if he goes too hard on it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a little variability on, on that. But then finally, what we found was was that uh, people were really, really deficient in sodium. And so that's the, the, the thought process behind the formula was looking at what we get from a minimally processed whole food diet what are the daily needs looking like? And we're not expecting people like if we're recommending five grams of sodium per day as, as like a baseline, uh, you can take five stick packs of, of, you know, element if you want to, but we're really hoping that you eat like some kimchi or sauerkraut or, or olives, like 10 olives give you a gram of sodium, Mm -hmm. a good size dill pickle gives you a gram of sodium. Mm. 
um, when you start getting down to the bottom of the the pickle jar, like yeah. just taking a little bit of pickle juice and, and shooting it well, down. I mean, that's what a lot of people do. Like, uh, you know, yeah. athletes and, and people have drank pickle juice for a long time. And that yeah. probably has tremendous. I mean, if you just drink the pickle juice, that's probably a tremendous amount of sodium. It, it's a pretty goddamn good product when you <laughs> yeah. get right down to it. Yeah, it really sure is. It is. You know, I mean, it, it, it's pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it extracts some of the potassium out of the pickles themselves a very high sodium content and it's got a little bit of spices in it and everything. So it just kind of tastes good. And that's maybe, Oh, you know what it, you, you were asking about dosing that I, I forgot about this. Um, I don't have any science to support this very anecdotal, but what we've noticed is when people mix this stuff up again at, at, you know, like about a, a one stick pack per liter, maybe a little bit less uh, than a liter if you are really sodium deficient and you drink this stuff, it will just taste sweet. You'll, you'll taste orange or lemon or raspberry or whatever the flavor is. And you'll sip on it, sip on it, sip on it. Maybe you get three quarters of the way through that, that bottle of it. And then all of a sudden it starts tasting salty. We think that there's kind of a, a mm. thirst mechanism that, that kicks in where we've got enough sodium, then it starts tasting salty. And it's really weird, um, folks. So it, and usually people will then not want to drink it quite mm. as much, yeah. um, but then they'll motor along. They'll go 20 minutes, 30 minutes. They keep sweating. Then they go back to that same bottle. And maybe that bottle is now like warmer, not as appealing, but all of a sudden the sodium flavor is gone. Like mm. they mainly get the sweet flavor. So that is. Uh, it, the only thing that I know of scientifically is there's this thing called the zinc tally test where it's a liquid form of zinc and they will, the uh, uh, people that they suspect are zinc deficient, they'll give them a dropper of the zinc and they put it under their tongue and it doesn't taste like anything, doesn't taste like anything. Then you do one dropper and it tastes like a chrome bumper. Hmm. And then it, in the thought there is that the body has reached a saturation point with the, um, with the zinc. And I think a similar mechanism is going on with the, with the sodium. Yeah. Interesting. Have you ever come across, um, like not, not necessarily can't cramping, but the, the calf twitching where the, the yeah. muscles in the, in the calves are twitching all the time. Is that yeah. sodium related? That, that is generally electrolyte driven, although it can be a little bit, uh, B vitamin driven also, uh, B vitamin deficiencies every once in a while. Although, um, uh, this is where uh, people use tonic water because the the uh, quinine in it, it, it the quinine yeah. ends up be having some anti uh, cramp anti twitch type activity. Really? Too. Yeah, I have that happening yeah. all the time with my calves. Now they don't necessarily cramp, but it, it's going Just on right twitchy. now. Yeah, I see it. I see it happening right now. And you know the, the the easy test on that is to like mix up an element start sipping on it and just see if that, that ends up, uh, you know, addressing that. Yeah. yeah. But it could yeah. be some B vitamins, could be some, some other mechanisms there too. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, so as far as, um, you know, I, I think we've covered the hydration pretty good, but you have so much other work, um, especially like the sacred cow, which is very interesting. We could talk about that for a couple of hours. Um, but, but another thing that, that I was interested in, uh, is a lot of the work, um, just in the few minutes that we have left here, um, on sleep, you've done a tremendous amount of work on sleep. You write a lot of, of things on sleep, sleep, obviously, when you get to, to our age, you start to realize, you know, not only do I maybe need more of it, but I need to be more, more careful with my sleep and, and get a better quality of sleep. 
Um, so just kind of interested on what kind of tips you could, you could give us on, uh, on sleep quality and, uh, and how that's affecting our performance. I mean, to me, it's a one-to-one, you know, easily discernible. You you know, um, I, I was talking to my wife about this the other day, like it would be really interesting if I could go back in time 20 years and run a, a parallel experiment. And so I do everything that I've been doing, but instead of being the food guy, I'm the sleep guy. Mm. And I orient everything around improving sleep. And so, um, uh, you know, like we, we do a sleep study on you and yet you have terrible sleep and oh, what's going on there. We put a continuous glucose monitor on you. You've got all these crazy blood sugar swings. It's like, Hey, I think you might be insulin resistant. Let's put you on a low carb diet to improve your sleep. And, and it would be so interesting to me because dietary changes are like religion and politics. Like it's really hard to get buy-in. Like people kind of have what they do and it, it, it's difficult to change it. Sleep's a little bit challenging, but people tend not to like, the, the main people that I see really piss and moan about sleep are like the mega type A corporate exec folks that are just like, you know, I'm, I'm if I'm not out, out in front, but I'm, I'm behind and uh, maybe some of the computer programmer types, but um, sleep arguably is more important than your chow arguably more important than your exercise. Uh, you could live your whole life without exercising. And I, I think it would kind of suck, <laughs> but you know, you, you, people do it, uh, you, you know, people largely don't, don't exercise and they, they don't live a normal, normal lifespan. Um, even you and I who are reasonably lean, we could probably last maybe a month without eating before we died of starvation, mm. like, you know, a little less than that, but the Guinness book of world records will not entertain attempts at, at staying awake any, any longer. Cause the last four or five times that people have done this, they get to about nine to 11 days. They tap out, they go to bed and then they die in their sleep oh, wow. and they have no idea what they die from. Hmm. So they'll let you jump a rocket motorcycle over the grand Canyon. They'll let you juggle <laughs> flaming chainsaws. Those are all safe compared to staying awake. And, um, it, 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 Kirk Parsley again, my, my good friend, you, you should get him on the show. Yeah. I'd like to, just, I know he's yeah, done work yeah. with, uh, Mark Devine and that was going to be yep. my, uh, that that's my story about not sleeping. I went to Kokoro and, oh, uh, yeah. you know, you weird things happen when you don't sleep for, for 50 hours. And it's probably a little more than that. Cause I was nervous the night before, you know, and, and yep. so you're not really sleeping the night before that well, and you're getting up really early. So it's really more like, you know, probably, probably like 70 hours of no sleep and, you know, you hallucinate, you, everything's weird. It's just, everything is just weird. weird. It's a weird thing. And then it takes you a while to get back to it. But, but I would love to have him on the show. Um, because I, I've listened to some of the stuff that he's done with Mark Devine and it's, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, he really knows his stuff. Yeah. And you know, Kirk makes the, the point that, um, one of the big differences between us in our youth versus as we get older is in your youth, you go to bed and you heal all the trials and tribulations of the day, and you come back better generally mm. than what you were that, that morning. Mm-hmm. And you do it again, you do it again. And if you're strength training and you're studying and you're doing this and you're doing that, like you get better and you get better and you get stronger and you get better. And then somewhere around about like 25, you wake up and you're one, one thousandth of a percent less than what you were the day before. <laughs> the sleep didn't 
didn't uh, fully yeah. restore you, you know, and you start really like the, the, in my mind, the difference between your twenties and your thirties, usually people start recognizing I can't eat like an asshole mm-hmm. and, and, you know, still do or look the, the, you know, the way I want to and sleep becomes this, this big deal. And particularly between like forties, fifties and beyond versus like the, the performance of a 20 year old. I think if your sleep is really on point and you're really thoughtful about the volume and intensity of your training, you maybe can't perform like you did in your twenties, but you can knock on that door a little yeah. bit. But if you are neglecting food and you're really, um, not doing all those things that prioritize sleep, uh, going to bed earlier, good sleep hygiene, you know, this is why it'd be interesting to run my whole career again and, and yeah. be the sleep guy yeah. versus the food guy. I, I think it's so, so important, but, um, getting as much of that recovery back to baseline and back, you, you know, bouncing back to better than what we were before the better the quality of sleep that you have, the closer you are to achieving that. That that's an interesting aside, just to to plug the the electrolyte and the sodium story again. Uh, James DeNicolantinio has has talked about this. Um, Chris Masterjohn also like uh, a half a gram to a gram of sodium before bed dramatically improves sleep for a lot of people. Mm. Um, if you have to wake up to pee, and this is male or female, um, it the, it can help you to stay asleep while you're, you know, stay down during that, that, that full sleep cycle. But it also has some other interesting mechanisms of suppressing cortisol release and some mm-hmm. things like that. And for folks that track heart rate variability, they do like an aura ring or, or, you know, a hoop or Fitbit or something like that. One of the biggest immediate changes that people notice is their heart rate variability score improves, which mm-hmm. means that they're sleeping better and they're yeah. recovering better. And it, it's, a uh, that good sleep quality is just, um, it's like getting 10% compound interest versus 2% compound interest. Like it, it matters today, but what it really matters is weeks, months, and years of, of being consistent with it. You know, that's where it really adds up. And the flip side of that is doubly true. It, it's kind of like, uh, if you're not taking care of yourself, then it's kind of like, uh, you know, instead of taking a loan from a family member and they barely charge you anything versus like, you know, Guido, who's yeah. given you high, high credit card interest rates, like it will crush you over time if you're not reinvesting on that, that sleep side. Yeah. And it's not just the the amount of time either. It's, it's the quality of it and your sleep environment. That's what I've found is like really, you know, the bed that you're sleeping on, your, what, mm-hmm. you, what you refer to as sleep hygiene, the, 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 the amount of light that's getting in the room, you know, the time that you go to bed, but also just like just having a good environment somehow helps me to sleep better. Like if, yep. if the room's sure. clean, you know, if the bed was made when I get there, I don't know. It, it maybe it's a psychological thing, but you know, you, you pull that bed down and you're like, yes, this is everything's good. Taking a shower Definitely before our, bed or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, our mental state is huge. It's really funny. Our youngest daughter, who's eight, um, past couple of months, she's gotten herself whipped into this frenzy where like, I I can't fall asleep by myself, Mm. you know? And (laughs) so like, I'll go up and rack out with her for a little bit. My wife will do the same, but, um, she's convinced herself that she can't sleep and uh, clearly she can, you know, we've been trying to teach her some belly breathing and a little meditation and stuff like that. 
And the crazy thing, she's like, I'm not like you. I can't do this. I can't do that. But then Nikki will get, get Sagan to put it, put her hands on her belly and big inhale, big exhale. You do that for three minutes and the kid is snoring. Right. Like she's out cold. It's like a stun line, but the mental state that she shows up for, for bedtime. And this is a kid normally she's just funny. She's kind of a high strung kid, but um, yeah, I mean, to, to your point, like, and there's not really a right or wrong to this, but generally darker, cooler, clean, organized, like all those things seem to really help facilitate just relaxing. Um, we don't have a TV in our room. I don't bring my phone in the room with me. Mm-hmm. I've got an old, old school alarm clock that I actually wind up on the rare occasions when I, when I need an alarm. So, um, uh, all of those, and man, I sleep like a, like a dead man. Like I have no problem falling asleep. I sleep like eight and a half, nine hours. Do you take any sleep supplement? I know that, uh, there was an article on your website that I just read in preparation for this uh, with, with Kirk Parsley, uh, that there's a, there's a product or a supplement kind of cocktail that you're, you're recommending on, on. Yeah. Parsley has this thing called the uh, sleep remedy and he developed it working with the the SEAL team. So mm-hmm. he, he was the, the West coast dive medical officer for like six or eight years. And it, it's kind of interesting. He was a pre nine 11 SEAL got out of the teams, um, went to medical school, got back into the teams post nine 11. And what he was expecting to see was a bunch of orthopedic issues because mm-hmm. when he was a SEAL, the, the problems were, uh, repetitive stress stuff. Like they, they look like triathletes that were just like wearing out their knees and ankles and all that. The first day he was on the job, um, as this dive officer, he had two people come in. Both of them had not really slept in like two weeks. Mm. And the one guy had like filled up a diesel engine with like gas or a gas engine with diesel. Like he just wasn't paying attention. I forget what the other guy's story was exactly, but Kirk started talking to them. He's like, you know, how do you sleep? Well, not, not so good. Do you take Ambien? Yeah. Like four of them, which is enough to kill somebody. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you do anything else? Yeah. I drink like a, a quarter bottle of whiskey with it. Like these guys had habituated to, um, a level of like Ambien and alcohol intake that would kill someone if they just, just, you know, wow. took it straight out. And the thing about both alcohol and, and like sleep aids, like Ambien, you're not sleeping. Like if we do a, a EEG of your brain waves, you're unconscious, but you don't go into REM sleep. You mm-hmm. don't go into deep sleep. So you're not really restoring yourself. Like, you, and this is where people wake up after I used Ambien once or twice, like trying to do some international travel. And I, I was better off just not sleeping at all yeah. if that's what happened versus taking that stuff. I've never it tried just it. destroyed me. Never, it's horrible. Yeah. It's hor- the the day after taking that stuff, it ju- it's like the most profound fatigue I've ever had in my life. Like wow. I am just exhausted. I definitely don't yeah. want that because I get no, that fatigue no. sometimes and I'm really interested in sleep. I, I listened to um, Andrew Huberman also, who mm-hmm. seems to really know uh, his stuff as well. And he, he suggested a cocktail of Apigen, uh, magne- magnesium three and eight and theanine. And I've yep. been trying that and that's, that, that seems to, to work. And he was saying that, that, that was, 
far superior to melatonin, which definitely puts you to sleep, but it doesn't help you to stay asleep. And his sleep cocktail was designed to, you know, if you're waking up in the middle of the night, um, which I was doing at like two o'clock, not because I needed to pee or anything, but just because I just would wake up. Wake up. And I can go to sleep again. Like I know a lot of my friends will wake up at two o'clock in the morning and they're going to have to read a half a book or they're going to have to do something. They can't go back to sleep. I just roll back over and go to sleep. But it's, I notice that when I'm waking up at two, roll back over and go to bed, I am now out of the REM sleep. Then I'm, it takes me a while to get back into it and I'm not as rested the next day by far. Definitely not as rested. And so I have been trying that that particular cocktail and it seems to have helped. I do not wake up like I was before. So something in there is working. I don't know if it's the yep. magnesium uh, or what, but the, the melatonin pathway tends to initiate sleep and mm-hmm. then the GABA pathway tends to maintain sleep. And so a, a well-formulated product will address usually both sides of that. It'll, you know, either like some, uh, uh, tryptophan, serotonin, melatonin, something like that, that helps kind of initiate the sleep. And then usually some sort of GABA, GABA derivative, GABA precursor that, um, that helps to maintain the sleep. And this is part of the reason why alcohol is such a bugger, because if you notice, usually you fall asleep, but, uh, uh, alcohol works on the GABA, uh, receptor sites. Mm. So that's where you wake up around two o'clock and you're hot and, you know, uncomfortable and everything because it's, it's messing with that normal ability to maintain sleep. Wow. Yeah. It's like, I guess a lot of people, they'll use alcohol to try to get to sleep because they're not sleeping well or whatever, but then they're not getting the restful sleep that, that they wanted, you know, and that's yeah. what it says in, yeah. uh, in that Matthew Walker's book, uh, why we sleep. He was even yeah. saying that, that, uh, you know, a lot of things like that, alcohol, even marijuana was not good for sleep because it actually was, was making the brain, you know, work. Like now yep. you're thinking you get tired and you go to sleep, but now, you know, it's, it's working overtime. Yeah. Um, anyway, sleep is super important. Hydration. I learned a ton about hydration today. Um, I want to thank you for coming on, man. You, you got so much knowledge and, and, uh, I'd love to have you on again to talk about some other things. Um, and I'd love to get introduced to Kirk. That'd be great. Also, just follow up with me. I'll yeah. I'd love to make yeah, an intro. Sure. He's a great guy. For sure. Yeah. So if anybody wanted Element and uh, also your books and follow you and learn more about you, how do how do people do all of those things? Uh, RobWolf.com is kind of the main spot with the work that I'm doing, and then DrinkElement.com is where you can track down more information about Element. And we have a ton of blogs. Like we cover everything from fasting, ketogenic diets, athletic training, like our, our, our blog has really grown a lot over the last year, year and, and tell a half. me about the community that you have, the, um, the, the, oh, the healthy, healthy rebellion. rebellion. Yeah. What's yeah. that? I, I mean, really quickly, uh, it, it's, a, a, a place that is on the interwebs, but doesn't have an algorithm trying to pit us against one another. And I put that thing together, uh, because in 2018, Google, basically made my my website did more or less disappear from the interwebs. Hmm. And there's a whole kind of long backstory with that. There's this thing called the Google Owl update. And many, uh, I guess, kind of health educators ended up getting hoovered up in that, that update. And it, what, they, what they did is they didn't make your website literally disappear, but they made it like when I woke up one morning, my site traffic had dropped by 97%. Wow. Like you just couldn't find the work that I, you know, the, 
10 years of work that I'd done on uh, type one diabetes and CrossFit activity. And, you know, all this, this stuff that I had very high quality link backs on was just effectively gone. And so I wasn't sure what to do, but I, what I started putting together was a, a plan to just have a place where people could meet and have community and kind of build resilience. And uh, that that's what we've been doing. We, we fortunately spun this thing up about six months before COVID and then COVID hit and it ended up being a, a really good for me, really good for the folks in there, you know, just having a place to be able to go ask some questions. Not everybody agrees on everything, um, but you know, you don't get your head bitten off for asking a question about like, what do you think the trade-offs are of this vaccine versus that vaccine versus not vaccinating and stuff like that? Like, seems like reasonable stuff to be able to talk about, but it is it, damnably hard to, to find somewhere that you can right. just have a conversation. So is it like a message board kind of set up? Uh, like it's, it's like Facebook, a message board and a blog had kind of a baby. Okay. And, and it's gotcha. on this platform called Mighty Networks. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah, pretty I know good. It's, it, it's, it's, um, it's not as elegant and a user interface as like Facebook and stuff like that. So it's a little clunky in that regard. Well, you're only, it, uh, you're only operating on, you know, $18 billion less of a budget, right. You know, than, right. <laughs> right. Than yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll check that out. That sounds, that sounds really interesting. So uh, I, I interrupted you in, in, in between that, but your books, um, you've written three, three books, four books, what three, three books? books, three books. Yep. And, and that's all Amazon and you can get them wherever yep. books are sold or absolutely. Okay. Drink yep. element. And, um, anything else you got going on? That's about it. I'm hoping to go get murdered at jujitsu later. So say a prayer for me. I'm sure somebody <laughs> will be happy to strangle you almost yep. to death. <laughs> yeah. All right, Rob, well, it's been really great meeting you. Thank you for being on the show. And, uh, you guys should definitely go check out his books. The paleo solution was one of my favorites and definitely influenced the way I ate for about the next 15 years. And, um, it's all good. All good. Thanks, Rob. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.